You're listening to the Renew Life Church podcast. We hope this message inspires you and challenges you to become a true disciple of Jesus. To find out more about us, go to renewlifechurch.com. Well, I'm feeling pretty good about myself right now. Pretty stinking good. Oh, man. Thank you, Cody. That's, that's awesome. I told first service this. I'll tell you the same thing. To honor Chris and Bethany well, um, I'm going to sing every song that I sing from now on in the key, and only the key that Bethany would sing it in. And it's going to sound terrible, terrible. She sings higher than any human I've ever met in my life. Um, Hey, before we dive in this morning, uh, Riley's parents, Riley got dedicated this morning. Where are you guys? Are you, hey, do you mind if I share something with you real quick? I, uh, you guys can stay seated um, or stand in your chair awkwardly. You choose. No, I'm you stay seated. He's ready. He's going to stand. Hey, I, during child uh, dedication this morning, I, I was looking up here and I was so glad that Cody asked me to step up and pray with you guys. But I, I feel like I heard the Lord say, what, what is your name? Yes. Kendra? Okay, and what is, what is yours? De- Kendra and Devin. Okay. Kendra, I feel like I heard the Lord say that he's restoring your smile. That he's restoring your smile. Um, and if they're, without knowing all the details, I, I just, I want you to know that the Lord is restoring your smile. I don't know if there's been robbed joy or any type of postpartum, whatever, anything at all. And I certainly don't want to project into your story. But what I will say is this, the Lord, Kendra, is restoring your smile. <laughs> yeah. And for you, sir, I would say this, you have what it takes to lead your home. You have what, is this your first kid, Riley? Second kid, okay, how old's your other kiddo? Three? Oh, you got your hands full up in there. Yeah, well, you have what it takes to lead your family and to lead your family well. I just see the hands of just a tender and loving father. And so if you've ever been accused of being stern or being mean or being aggressive, I don't know if that's something um, that has been said of you, I say no, sir. Uh, You're a kind and you are a gentle soul and you, you have what it takes to lead your family well. Yeah? Awesome. Come on, can we bless them? <laughs> All right, well, this morning, um, we're, we're gonna spend the next few moments together um, in a sermon that I'm titling, I Don't Want to Forget, Memories and Monuments. Um, how many of you, there are certain things in your life that you just wouldn't mind forgetting? Mm-hmm. That one struck. I saw a bunch of heads go like, I saw a bunch of wives, like, you know, a bunch of husbands nudging. Let's talk about credit card debt. Forget that stuff. Boyfriends, girlfriends, bad breakups. Come on. What about haircuts? Yeah, I hadn't had one in three years. I want to show you guys a haircut of mine. Prepare yourself. This is holy ground. Come on. Did anybody just feel the glory enter the room in like a weighty capacity? This was was actually the haircut that I had when my wife, Michaela, started dating me. Miracles can happen, people. 
She says she started dating me in spite of this haircut. I refuse to believe it. I think that's, I was like peacocking. You ever heard of peacocking? You gotta like separate yourself from the people pile. There's a lot of dudes she could have chose from, but when she saw this, this glorious rat's tail, she was like, that's the one. She's like, I've been waiting my whole life for a moment such as this. I used to straighten this mamma jamma, and it would come down to like right here with a cheese straightener. You know what I'm saying? I'd straighten it and it'd come down. Babe, I'm thinking about bringing it back. What do we say? No, she's just giving me a hard no. It'd be way better. I have put in a special request to the media department though that this could become a part of the regular rotation of worship backgrounds. I mean, just go with me here, right? Just imagine all hail King Jesus with this. We could like superimpose some wind on it so it wags a little. You wanna talk about glory. How did we get here? I don't know. But there's things you wouldn't mind forgetting in your life. Likewise, there's plenty of things that I'm sure you just don't, you don't want to forget. You don't want to forget. Need to Breathe, one of my favorite artists, they sing this song uh, with Carrie Underwood that talks about just like grabbing moments and painting mental pictures so that you never forget certain moments. How many parents in the house? You got kids? Yeah. It's riddled with some moments you want to forget, but mostly... There's a lot of moments that you just don't want to forget. Michaela and I will sit up at night oftentimes and we'll, we'll just go through picture after picture after picture and just like remember. It's like all of a sudden you're stepping back into this reality of a vacation, of a big moment where your kids said something or did something. We've got videos of, of, of our kids taking first steps, those wobbly steps where it, it, there's moments that you just, you don't want to forget. And I believe the same to be true in our spiritual lives as well. If you have been in faith and you've been walking with Jesus for any amount of time, there are moments that you can look back at and you can say, yes, yeah, something changed in that moment. Yes, yeah, something happened in that moment. Maybe it was the moment you gave your life to Jesus for the first time. And some of you will have the opportunity to do that today. But it was that moment that you gave your life to Jesus for the first time and it's like everything changed. Maybe it was a moment like you found your church family, you found your, your tribe and you just thought to yourself, like, I've been, like I, I've been waiting for this my whole life. Maybe it was the moment you got filled with the Holy Spirit and his power. But there's moments that you can go back to in your life that you just don't want to forget. This morning, I wanna, I wanna speak on memories. And I would define memory as this. It's the internal component which allows us to recall with clarity a moment or an experience. I don't want to forget. I don't wanna forget. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for these people. Thank you for this church family. Thank you for spiritual family. Thank you for the day we've had. What an incredible time of, I mean, child dedications and not just saying things that are cliches such as it takes a village, 
but instead actually being the actual representation of what it looks like to be the body of Christ by imparting prophetic words into these kids that will change their lives forever. I believe that that is a monumental moment that these parents will remember forever. And God, thank you for spiritual family that even whenever somebody is leaving into their next season and this next chapter of their life, it's not bad blood, it's not hatred, it's not a breakup at all, but God, instead what it is is it's us saying, we love you, we trust you, and God be with you. Lord, thank you for this body. But God, I'm so grateful to you that it doesn't stop there, that your work this morning is still continuing. So Lord, I just, I pray that in this room right now, that there would be a literal firewall that would keep away all distractions, all hindrances, all shame and external forces. And Lord, we press into who you are and to what you would wanna do and what you would wanna say in this moment. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. In his kindness, the Father has actually given us the ability to remember. And I believe that memory, the ability to remember is one of the greatest tools that is in our tool belt as believers. I'm gonna read to you guys a passage of scripture in Psalm chapter 103, verse one through five. If you wanna turn there in your Bible, you're welcome to. I'm gonna read everything I'm reading this morning out of the New Living Translation. But Psalm chapter 103, and verse one through five. It says this, verse one, let all that I am praise the Lord with my whole heart. I will praise his holy name. Let all that I am praise the Lord. Get this, may I never forget the good things that he does for me. Mm. May I never forget the good things that he does for me. He forgives all my sins. He heals all my diseases. He redeems me from death and crowns me with love and tender mercies. He fills my life with good things. My youth is renewed like the eagles. See, David, a psalmist, as he writes this, he understood the distinct correlation between his ability to remember something and the gratitude that it incited inside of his soul. And today what I wanna do is I wanna take a moment to discuss that same reality and build that same connection inside of each of us today. This has been a journey that I've been on over the past several months. Um, and so I want to share it with you guys. And that's the hope today, is that just like David, we would solidify that connection between memory and gratitude. See, verse one in Psalm chapter 103 says, let all that I am praise the Lord with my whole heart. I will praise his holy name. Yeah, that sounds a lot like gratitude. It sounds a lot like gratitude. Later in this passage, in verse four and five, he's talking about, I used to be this, but now I am this, or I used to think this, but now I believe this. It sounds a lot like gratitude to me. And then in verse two, it says this, let all that I am praise the Lord, and may I never forget the good things that he does for me. Gratitude is the well from which we draw strength in difficult seasons. Gratitude is the well from which we draw strength in difficult seasons. You in yourself, in your own ability, when hard times come, and sometimes they come, it's the reality of being human, it's the reality of living on this earth, it's the reality. 
When hard times come, you and yourself in that moment do not have what it takes, uh, the wherewithal, to muster up gratitude and hope for the future. Lest you have a track record of thanksgiving of time after time after time after time that the Lord has brought you through. Gratitude for what the Lord has done helps me posture my heart and trust for what the Lord will do. Gratitude is the well from which we draw in difficult times. The well from which we draw in difficult times. Come on, some of you know my story. I know some of your stories. But there's one thing that unites every single person in this room, and that's the blood of Jesus Christ. Yeah, come on, all of our stories are the same in this. I once was lost, now I'm found. I once was blind, now I see. Come on, regardless where you found yourself, regardless where you've been in the past, if there's anything good that has ever come, if there's anything good that will ever come, it is the perfect gift given from our God. It's who he is, it's what he does. And so my ability to dip back into the archives and to remember those things is what helps me to establish my heart posture and say, God, it's bleak, it doesn't look good, but guess what? I've got a track record. I've got history with you, Father that's gonna allow me to trust you into this coming season. It's gonna allow me to trust you into this coming season. Let's spend a moment talking about memories. As we reflected a moment ago, I'm sure you were thinking in your own minds of pictures that you go back to. Maybe it's your screensaver on your phone when you open it, you see your crazy cheerings. See your crazy cheerings, you see fun times, you see happy times, you see vacations, you see good things. I see kids with fathers and with mothers in the room. It just blesses my heart. Memories that we don't want to forget. In 2019, uh, I entered into a, con a contract with an Anglican church here in town. And I was doing some production for them, helping with miscellaneous things and their production and video and doing some training and assimilation and such. And um, I'm trying to think of the best way to say this. I, I, w I was not raised Anglican. Let's start there. I was raised Pentecostal. So, hallelujah. So, <laughs> there's a little bit of a difference in structure between a Pentecostal. You can't do a Jericho march in an Anglican room or you will break something. I remember walking in and being like, oh, my greasies. This is a little bit interesting. I don't know exactly what to do. I remember, I t it's, this one's side note, but I took my son with me one time up to that church and um, my son was four at the time, he's six now. We walk into the auditorium or the sanctuary and it's like, he's never been in an environment like this. Like I was up there to like do some stuff during their choir rehearsal and uh, you know, they've got the different pulpits and the lecterns and all the things. And I learned all this language. My son had no clue what he was walking into at the age of four. So we walk into this room and he wanders down the center aisle. I'm talking about choir practices happening. He just walks in, just walks in. I'm going this way to the sound booth, lost him. He's just walking down the center aisle like this. And he gets to the dead center of the room and he just holds his hands out like this and starts to spin in circles. And he goes, this is my destiny. <laughs> I, was, I was like, what are, you, what are you doing? You've never even been here before. Your destiny. So, so funny. The, and, but the, 
the beautiful thing about this is, is in my total lack of initiation in this, total lack of initiation, no idea what was going on. I was um, familiarized with, and it, beca- it began my initiation process into a season called Lent. How many of you practice Lent or have heard of Lent? Yeah, okay. So I didn't even know that it was spelled with an E, not an I. There's a difference. There's a difference. But these kind people, the amazing church staff over there were so gracious and patient with me as they initiated me into some things so I could serve them in their production and all the things. And I became really aware in that season that in charismatic circles and in my Pentecostal upbringing, I got really, really, really good at celebrating the resurrection of Jesus through Easter. As we approach next week, April 9th, come to Easter service, it's gonna be amazing. That I got really, really good at celebrating the resurrection of Jesus without first mourning the tragic loss of Jesus. And so as a family in 2019, we began to um, immerse ourselves into this liturgical calendar and practice you know, 46 days, 40 days without Sundays of just sacrifice and fasting unto the resurrection Sunday. It's like a loose Lent. It's like a charismatic Lent, but we, it's been a very profound and powerful part of our life. Anyway, I say that to say, This year, uh, my daughter, Adeline, she's nine years old, she was invited to go to an Ash Wednesday service. Now, this is something that I personally had never fully participated in, didn't know a ton about, but in my soul, right? Parents, you get this. You start kind of doing the tension of like, okay, like, do we let her go? Do we not let her? There's these things you kind of have to weigh out. It's a different environment, blah, blah, blah. Who else's crazy kids are gonna be there? (laughs) All the things, right? Well, in my heart of hearts, I just knew right away, I was like, this is one I want her to participate in. I want her to get this experience. So I prepared her for it, talked to her about the history of it and the meaning of it and what it looks like. So she was prepared that they were gonna do the ashes on her forehead. And so that night, we had a Wednesday night service here and I got home to find my nine-year-old daughter. Uh, She was kind of like waiting for me when I came in like this, like keeping her hair out of her. Just kind of like waiting for me to see it. And I'm like, I... I see it, you have ashes on your face. Like I sent you to the, I, I, but it led to this beautiful conversation about what it meant to her. She had, she had this encounter there um, and I just, I was so glad that she got to go be a part of this service. But that night, after processing it with her, we have a tradition in our home. Every single evening, we sing to our kids, we pray over our kids, and then we put them to bed with kisses or hugs and sugars, as my three-year-old calls it. My two-year-old, almost three. <laughs> and... When I went in to put Adeline to bed, I observed that there was this eight and a half by 11 sheet of white paper that was taped up over her bed. And it said these words, it said, dust will always rise again. Just let it sink in for a second. Dust will always rise again. And I just knew in this moment as I read those words, it's as if the father was just gently like leaning me in and saying, hey, there's something happening here, like listen. And so I leaned in and I said, baby, what does this mean to you? Dust, dust will always rise again. And she said, well, dad, that's what, that's what the guy who put the ashes on my head, that's what he told me whenever I went up to the front. He said, don't worry, dust will always rise again. And daddy, I just, I just don't wanna forget that. Daddy, I just don't wanna forget that. And in that moment, I felt the father just leaning me into this moment with my nine-year-old daughter. And I knew right away, 
something is happening inside of her that is significant and she has set up a mile marker in her life, a monument in her life that says, I don't wanna forget. Dust will always rise again. It meant something to her. And so that moment transcended into my own life and I began to process like, oh my goodness, like Lord, there are so many things, there are so many times that you have done things in my life that I just don't, I don't want to forget. I don't wanna forget. You know, at any given time, any given time, there's, I believe, three voices that are fighting for attention in our headspace. We've got the voice of the enemy, right? That guy's the worst, hate him. Uh, his, and his agenda is this, his sole agenda, you know it. It is to kill, it is to steal, and it is to destroy, period. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. That is his only agenda. But then there's the second voice that is sometimes controversial depending on your season, depending on your conditioning, depending on certain variables in your life, and that is the voice of yourself. But then there's this third voice, Come on, you know the voice I'm talking about. There's this third voice, and it's the voice of a loving father who says who you are, who says who you could be, who says, son, I love you, who says, daughter, I love you. You see, but the enemy is always pushing. He's always grinding, and he plays dirty, and he plays violent 100% of the time. He does not care about emotional boundaries. He does not care about physical boundaries. His only agenda is to kill, it is to steal, and it is to rob you of all joy, of all health, of all happiness, and of all hope. That's his only agenda. So as he gets violent and he twists in and he tries to remind you of all the bad things, because it's not hard to remember the bad things. If we went around the room today, the truth is this, there's many of you that could probably recall more bad things you've done than good things you've done. Come on, just be honest. In yourself, maybe you could re recall the worst things, the bad things, the time you dropped the ball, the shame you feel because you weren't there when you should have been, or you did the thing you promised you would never do again. It's easy to remember that. All the while, the Father is saying, yeah, but that's not who you are. You are my son. You are my daughter. You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus because of his sacrifice. You see, as the enemy wages war, I feel it's important for us to be resourced with tools that we can fight back the gates of hell in your own mind. And I believe that memories of the goodness of God is one of the greatest tools that we have in our tool belt. Gratitude comes from remembering what the Lord has done. And gratitude is the well from which I can draw in difficult seasons. If I wait till I'm in the moment and I don't have a steady track record, steady monuments of remembering what the Lord has done, that's not a place you wanna be. I don't wanna forget. I don't wanna forget. Come on, someone say, I don't wanna forget. So let's talk about some tools. We've got memories. We've got things that God has done, recollections of God's goodness, recollections of God's faithfulness. Let's talk about some tools to never forget what the Lord has done. Let's jump to Joshua chapter four. We're gonna start in verse one and we're gonna read through verse eight. <clears throat> you guys didn't bring your Bibles like first service. First service, I heard like <laughs> all the pages turning and stuff. I'm not judging, I'm just saying. I mean, I'm preaching off an iPad for crying out loud. You know, I'm just saying, just an observation. 
Joshua chapter four, verse one through eight. It says, when all the people had crossed the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, now choose 12 men, one from each tribe, tell them, take 12 stones from the very place where the priests are standing in the middle of the Jordan, carry them out and pile them up in the place where you will camp tonight. So Joshua called together the 12 men he had chosen, one from each of the tribes of Israel. He told them, go into the middle of the Jordan in front of the ark of the Lord your God. Each of you must pick up one stone and carry it out on your shoulder. 12 stones in all, one for each of the 12 tribes of Israel. We will use these stones to build a memorial. Get this, to build a memorial. In the future, your children will ask you, what do these stones mean? In verse seven, then you can tell them, they remind us that the Jordan River stopped flowing when the ark of the Lord's covenant went across. These stones will stand as a memorial among the people of Israel forever. So the men did as Joshua had commanded them. They took 12 stones from the middle of the Jordan River, one for each tribe, just as the Lord had told Joshua. And they carried them to the place where they camped for the night and constructed a memorial there. You see, building a memorial was a fairly common practice in the Old Testament and even into the New Testament, and I believe even into the modern day. This has become a practice that I am deeply endeared to and practice on a regular basis. Matter of fact, that's the reason I have some of the tattoos I have. It's to go back to a place in time where the Lord said something that I believed would change my life forever. Moments, memories, and monuments. It was a common practice back then that they would erect these monuments out of the ground with tools that they had, with stones that they had. And the entire premise of this was after the Lord had done something, they stamped it in a a moment in time with something physical and they said, I'm gonna come back to this place and I'm never gonna forget what the Lord has done. And one thing that I love about this is that it says, why are we doing this? It's so that your children and your children's children can come back to this place. It says, forever. Come on, the giants you're killing today are gonna become the monuments that your children come back to and remember the goodness of God through. The giants that you're killing today, the monuments that you're building as as a family, I, I heard this this morning, It becomes the new starting point, the new threshold. So as your kids and your circle of influence and your spiritual family, they get into seasons where maybe they're having hard times. They get to borrow your faith from your monument when the Lord did that thing for you and that becomes the foundation of their faith. This is what monuments do. It's not just for me in the here and the now, but it's for generations to come in the future. See, I benefit more in my soul from reflecting and meditating on his goodness in my life than I do pleading for his prevailing hand in my current circumstances. I find myself in, myself in quiet time most mornings just doing that. <laughs> a glimpse into my prayer life, it's a lot of silence, it's a lot of reflection, it's a lot of meditating on, God, on God's goodness. Because at the end of every work day and it carries over into the beginning of most work days, it's easy to find yourself in this cloudy headspace where you're thinking in task lists and you're thinking in what's next and what do I gotta do and how am I gonna make time for that? But I've also gotta get this done, but we also, (laughs) I benefit more in my soul by meditating and reflecting on the goodness of God 
in my life because he's always been faithful than I do pleading for his prevailing hand in my current situation. Memory is one of the greatest tools in our tool belt that the Father has given us. I wanna be one who has monument after monument after monument of the goodness of God in my life. I recently, this has been a couple weeks ago, I had a chance encounter with a man out in the lobby. I don't know if he's here today, but Ken Albus. Does anybody know Ken Albus? Yeah. What a man. What a good man. What a godly man he is. He's like, Ken's like the most grandpa-est grandpa that you could ever like, grandpa. He's just, he's the guy. And I don't have just a ton of encounters with Ken Albus, to be honest with you. I don't have just a ton of personal history with Ken. But every time we talk, his words are seasoned with salt. So two weeks ago, I crossed him in the lobby and many of you received an email this week probably about a transition that my family is in right now and there's some things coming in the pipeline and honestly, it's, it, it has taken a toll on my soul in this tension. And so Ken didn't know what he was getting himself into, I'm not gonna lie. But I'm crossing by and he goes, hey, Steve, I just, I heard some news and man, I just wanted to see how you guys are doing and just a real kind, hey y'all type moment, just, very kind. and So in that moment, I, I did not see it coming, but I kind of just started to like, ah, like just kind of dump some stuff out on him about transition and my kids and what we're concerned about and what we're praying for and all these things. And after, after three or four minutes of me just like spitfire, throwing all this stuff up on him, Ken just kindly listens and he's just shaking his head yes. And he's just, yeah. And at the end of this moment, Ken said something that did something inside of me. But what Ken said was, hmm, you're gonna be all right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Thanks, Ken. <laughs> <laughs> but something snapped inside of me. Seriously, something inside of me, it, it was like it awakened this reality in my soul that said like, oh yeah, like I am gonna be all right. You're gonna, not even going to, he texts it. You're gonna be all right. Four words and it changed everything in my soul. Do you know why? Four words can change your soul in an impromptu conversation. It's because Ken Albus has monument after monument after monument after monument testifying to the goodness of God. So at the point he encounters a young son who's walking through a transition, whenever he says four words, you're gonna be all right, guess what happens? His words carry the weight of every time God has been faithful, of every time he stood on the promises of God, and every single time he's seen him come through in his own life. Yeah, come on, guys. This, this is what we're cultivating. This is what we're doing. This is what spiritual family is. I wanna be the Ken Albus that stands in a church lobby one day, snowy white hair, Cowboy hat. I, I might skip the cowboy hat part, please. <laughs> Some of y'all went. <laughs> I 
but I want to be that man. Come on, do you want to be that man? Do you want to be that woman whose words are seasoned with salt? So when I say something, it's not just in passing, but it actually carries weight and authority. See, the way you acquire this legacy, the way you acquire this potency with your words is by never forgetting. And I, I don't want to forget. I do not want to forget. So I build monuments just like they did in the Old Testament. The beautiful thing about building monuments is this. I mentioned tattoos. You do not have to get tattoos. <laughs> you do not have to get tattoos. You can get tattoos. You don't have to get tattoos. Take pictures. <laughs> Write stories. Tell friends. Paint pictures. Write articles. <laughs> you are uniquely designed meticulously crafted by a loving father who wants to share in your story. So my question is this, my charge is this, find the method in which you will construct your monuments because I never wanna forget and I know you don't either. For me, a love language between me and the Father that I've cultivated over the past, past several years has been writing. Interestingly enough, I feel like writing has always been something in me that I've enjoyed to do. But when I was younger, I never wanted to write because it just took too much time. It took too much time. So even now, like voice texts, this is like mine and Bethany's like feud. She like, she, but she's got like a baby on this hip. So she's like sending voice texts all the time and that's okay, that's good. The Lord still loves you. God bless you in your ministry. You can take your voice text to Tennessee. I'm joking, I'm joking, I'm joking, I'm joking. <laughs> I'm joking, I'm joking, I'm joking, I'm joking. But we send texts back and forth, worship stuff and church stuff and all that. And it's, and it's good, I really do understand. But I've just slowed down in the way I write. And this has become like a love language between me and the Father is when I'm writing something, I've gotta slow down. When I'm writing something, I've gotta actually just stop for the next 30 seconds and focus on the task at hand. <clears throat> so this has been a love language that I've cultivated with the Father in time and over time. And so as a reference, as, a, as an example, for what a monument might look like in your own life, I wanna share one of mine with you, is that okay? I wanna share a monument that I've written, and this goes back to August the 5th of 2022. August the 5th of 2022. I titled it, Tonight I Saw the Kingdom. After over a month of partial work weeks, my tank was empty, my stress was high, and my capacity was stretched thin. My wife recognized the distress despite my cleverly disguised front of, I'm okay, really, I'm fine. I arrived home with the intentions of taking my daughter Adeline to gymnastics as I do most Tuesdays. I enjoy this activity weekly as my daughter beams with energy as she turns flips and she engages with her coaches and with her friends. Not to mention we have 15 minutes of windshield time devoted to hyping her up via rage against the machine. It's mostly my choice. And Minio, Andy Minio, which is mostly her choice, 
And then her latest favorite, Alpha Zulu by the band Phoenix. It gives me life watching her thrive. However, when you're on empty, things that, are, things that generally give you life and joy can easily fall into the category of another thing to do. Today, this is where I was, but today I saw the kingdom. Today, my drifting soul was rescued by my wife and kids. I arrived home just in the nick of time as usual to scoop Addie up and to jet out the door for gymnastics only to discover that my family had other plans. My family was planning a rescue mission for me. I was greeted at the door by a lifeline for my soul, a true dose of light and hope in this hectic season that I have been in. As I approached my front door, I was greeted by a sign that read, trade your backpack for a beer, bathing suit, and backyard. My family rescued my soul in a way that someone, only someone who knows me could. I immediately recognized this gesture as a lifeline for a dad and for a husband. My soul leapt with joy and I blazed inside to follow my guide. I quickly threw on a bathing suit, I grabbed a Montucky cold snack and I rushed into the backyard to be greeted by the greatest sound on earth. A sound whose response is unmatched by any bugling elk, any large engine, or any resounding crowd noise. Daddy, you're home. My soul was immediately recovered. And over the course of the next five hours, delicately restored. I don't wanna forget. I don't wanna forget. I don't wanna forget. If you go through my notebook, my, or my notes and my phone, it's just full of encounter after encounter where my soul was rescued, where the Lord did something, he said something, dreams that I had in the night, that's a big one. <laughs> I've not always been the best steward of dreams that I had in the night, and so I got really frustrated when I stopped dreaming because my wife dreams frequently and I found myself like, Lord, why don't I have dreams, like prophetic dreams, revealing dreams about future and about things you're doing. And I felt very convicted that I had not been stewarding those dreams well because I had not been building monuments to those dreams so that I could remember them and recall them. <clears throat> so catch me at 3 a.m. most mornings now, or some mornings now, just writing. I don't wanna forget. I don't wanna forget what the Lord's doing. I don't wanna forget what the Lord has done. So find your method of building monuments. Thanks for listening. We hope you felt encouraged by today's message. If you need prayer or would like to connect with us, find us on social media or by going to renewlifechurch.com.